Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you here this morning. Let's go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter number one. Joshua, chapter number one. Hope I can find Joshua, chapter number one. Again, thank you for being here, taking time out of your 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 schedule of the week to be here with us. Uh, again, oftentimes we don't know the importance of what it is, but uh, again, we need to be in, in church as, as God has called us to, uh, again, to worship together, to come together, and uh, we look forward to each opportunity we have as we uh, meet together to, to exalt our Lord and Savior. You know, the beauty of the Word of God is that it's available and applicable for everyone. You know, it's not just for those that have a religious degree. It's not just for those that have a certain title. But the Word of God is for everyone. And as we take time to look at it, to study it, uh, again, we should learn to embrace it, to love it, and to apply it. Again, this is one of the most important things to do is to apply what we find in the Word of God. Oftentimes, we'll look at it, we'll read it, and think, well, that's great, or that's a nice story, or whatever the case. But how does it apply where I'm at? And that's something we've got to make sure we try to do each and every day, each and every time that we open up the Word of God is to see what is it that I need? What is it that's going to help me today and find how to apply the Word of God? Again, as we find here the beginning of Joshua chapter number one, the Bible uh, says that the Lord is speaking to this newly commissioned servant uh, named Joshua. Again, Moses had just died uh, after leading the nation of Israel for the past 40 years. And now Joshua takes over uh, as leading the nation. <clears throat> In reading verses 3 and 4, we find that the Lord reminded Joshua of the promises that he made to Moses and his people regarding the promised land. He continues in verses 5 and 6, encouraging Joshua to be strong and of a good courage as he assumes this new role of leadership and responsibility and assures Joshua that he is going to be there to help him along the way. Again, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5 reiterates this for the believer today. The last part of that verse says, I, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. This should be an encouragement to us to continue to fight, to continue to do what God has called us to do in this life. But as we continue looking down the chapter, we come to verses 7 and 8. And that's where I want to spend just a few moments this morning looking at this idea of success in what God has given to us. So let's look here in Joshua chapter number 1 and read verse 7 and 8. The Bible says, Only be strong and of a good, excuse me, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I would venture to say that everyone here would love to prosper and have good success in everything that they do. And looking at these two verses, that's exactly what we find. Here are five steps to succeed that the Lord has given Joshua that we have preserved in the Word of God for us to apply as well. So this morning, uh, as we look at this, five steps of success. But let's have a word of prayer as we get started this morning. Lord, again, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for, uh, again, having the opportunity to meet, 
freely to come together, Lord, and uh, to celebrate your goodness. Thank you for the opportunity to sing your praises. Thank you for those that are here this morning that are wanting to hear from you. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, to be attentive. Help us to draw from it your word, what it is we need today. And Lord, help us to apply those things to our lives. Lord, speak to hearts this morning as only you can. Use me and help me, directing guide. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How do we find, define success? That's a simple question that I'm sure we all have different definitions for. We've got our own directions. We've got our own determination, if you would, on how we want to achieve that success. So what is success? What is it that we think or how do we feel we'll be successful in life? I had a pastor ask me that once uh, <clears throat> as he was coming through and we were talking. He said, so what do you identify as success as a pastor? And I thought, ooh, that's a difficult question. You know, a lot of people look at it, well, it's about the numbers. How many people are you running in Sunday school or in your morning worship? Or how many people are coming in on the vans, things like that? But numbers are not the success. Well, how much money are you raising? How much are your offerings and things like that? Again, numbers are not a, a measurement of success. It's how we're applying the Word of God. It's how we're living our life uh, where God has placed us. That's what I would identify maybe as being successful. Are we doing what God wants us to do? Are we following Him faithfully as He has called us to do? Again, success is a difficult thing. To be successful in our job, we may have a certain position or a price tag in mind. To be successful in our society, we may relate to certain possessions or a prestige. There's a lot of different ways we can measure this idea of success. But understanding, first of all, success only comes from God. Again, what we just read uh, in the word there, it says to do according to the law. That's what God wants us to do, to do according to what he says. That is what will give us success. Submitting to God and doing his commands is what true success is all about. It's not what the world says or how the world defines it, but what God has instructed us to do. How are we to achieve this success? How are we to, to, to do what God has called us to do? We can follow exactly what God has given us here in these two verses. And the first step we find is the correct path. We find that in verse number 7. The correct path. It seems like a no-brainer, right? I've got to be on the right path. I've got to be going in the right direction for what God wants me to do in order to achieve success. But have, uh, to have that type of success, we've got to be on the right road and we've got to be staying as close to sinner as possible. The Lord said in verse number seven to not turn from the right hand or to the left. So again, we've got to not drift one way or another, but we've got to stay straight down the path. Again, we stop and think about how they used to farm land with animals. They would put blinders on them, right? To keep them from being distracted on what was around them so they could go straight down the path so they could pull straight ahead. We've got to be the same way. We've got to put those spiritual blinders on to help us disregard the things that the world looks at as success and follow what God wants us to do. Again, notice what the writer said here. Turn not from the right hand nor to the left. In other words... Don't go in the wrong direction. How, how, how far is off to the right or left too much? You know, if you're driving down the road, you kind of have an idea. I got to stay between this line and that line so I can drift a little bit, right? How are we to measure that in life? You know, there's a lot of people that have the mentality, well, I didn't drift too far this way. 
oh, I didn't drift too far that way. But how far is too far? You know, it doesn't matter. We've got to stay as close as we can to what God wants us to do. You know, there's a lot of people today that have this idea of, well, it doesn't matter as long as I'm doing what I want to do and as long as I'm following with all my heart. And that's not what the Bible says at all. You know, this, uh, we recently went through a study on Wednesday night of the church, and we studied how different people just drifted a little bit away from what they were taught. They had a, a little bit of differences of ideas and thoughts. And there's some people that said, well, I don't need to stick to that uh, doctrine or to that thought as close as these other people are. And you stop and look uh, again as we can turn back and look through history and they're nowhere close today where they started out from. We've got people that, uh, again, uh, were once following the Lord Jesus Christ uh, right down the line. They were teaching their kids that and their kids decided, well, I don't have to stick that close. I don't have to be that faithful. So they begin to drift a little bit. And drift a little bit more. Now those kids are having kids and God is nowhere in the picture because they've drifted so far away from where God initially had them. We've had people in this church that once were following the Lord, that were doing everything they knew they should have been doing, and yet now they're probably not even in church. How can they say they're standing for God when they're not even attending a service anymore? And it all started with that little thought of just that little drift. That little bit's not going to hurt anything. Who's it going to affect anyway? It's going to affect a lot of people. It creates a big ripple across all the people that you know and all that's going on in your life. So it's something we've got to make sure that we're not going in the wrong direction. We're not drifting one way or another. We've got to stay as close as we can to the Lord. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 1 says, Therefore we ought to give a more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. The original Greek word, their slip, there means to drift away. And again, it's something we've got to stop and think about. Are we drifting? Are we allowing those things in our lives, those convictions, those things we've been taught to simply slip away out of our grasp? You know, we stop and think about our country that was once founded by men of God on the word of God where we now see that they have drifted so far off the foundation that it's beginning to crumble. We need to stop drifting to the right or to the left. You know, there's some people say, well, I'm going the right way. I'm not going the left. I'm not going. We need to stay right in the center where God wants us to be. Uh, again, we get judgmental of saying we're, we're going this way or we're going that way. I want to stay right in the middle. I want to stay right in the center where God wants me to be and not allow that drifting to pull me away. Not only can we go in the wrong direction, but we can go the wrong distance as well. How many times have you stopped and looked back in your life and see how far you've gotten ahead of God? You ever done that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we want something so bad and so fast in our lives that we'll go as far as we can to get it, disregarding the roadblocks that maybe God has placed in our lives to get us where we need to be. And then we wonder, why, Lord, are you allowing these things to happen in my life? I want this, and I'm trying to go as fast as I can. And God says, wait a minute, put your brakes on. I'm trying to slow you down. I want you to go according to my timetable, not yours. I want you to follow what I have, not what you want. One area of success I want in my life is to be that right example. 
I've got too many people around me that I want to influence, that I want to make sure are going in the right direction, that are doing the right things. So I want to make sure I'm going in the right direction, I'm going in the right speed, I'm going the right distance. So they can learn and they can understand as well. Paul had the same desire as he addressed the church in Galatia. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So many times we get caught up with the things of this world that it holds us back and spiritually that we're not following and going the direction we should be going. Don't let the world pull you off course. Don't let them allow you to go the wrong direction and to go that wrong distance. Constantly seek godly counsel, which is in what is introducing for our next step is counsel and found in verse number eight. Look there again with me. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Just as King Joash was given the book of the law to meditate on day and night, Joshua was given the same thing for him to do as well. Think of the task that Joshua was about to take on. I don't think I could do this. I don't know if I'd want to do this. Leading millions of, of the Jews out of, uh, across the Jordan River to conquer what was th to be the promised land. Again, we might think that, well, what I'm doing today is, is nothing of that magnitude. So why is it that I need to seek good counsel? Why can't I just get worldly counsel like everyone else? We're given a warning from Scripture about that, by the way. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse number 1 says, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel but not of mine, and that cover with a covering but not of my spirit, that they may add sin sin. Every person in this world needs counsel. Every person needs someone to advise them in the decision-making process, no matter how small the matter may be. Those who decide to turn to the world are rebellious, according to this verse. We think the world has better answers than God has. And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people that just ignore the Word of God and, and never try to, to do what it says. Oh, I tried the Bible and, well, uh, I just couldn't find the answer. People take time to, to excuse whatever it is, seldom following scriptures. But as we believe as born-again believers, are we not to go to God in prayer? Are we not to fast and seek the Lord when we're trying to look for an answer? But yet we don't do that. We, we want the answer to come quickly. We want it now just like everyone else. Hey, I can't find the answer, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to Google it. That's the mentality of today's society, right? You can't find the answer? You don't know what it is? I'll just Google it. What does the world say? What do they want me to do? And unfortunately, it's leading them down the wrong path. But we've got other examples we can look at. Think of Daniel. Matter of fact, turn with me over to the book of Daniel, chapter number 9, if you would. Daniel, chapter number 9. Again, as Daniel went before the Lord, <clears throat> again, seeking answers. For the nation of Israel, he understood what he needed to do. Daniel chapter number 9, look with me beginning in verse number 3. It says, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek my prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned. We have committed iniquity. 
we have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Nevertheless, have we hearkened unto the servants, the prophets, which spake in the name of our kings and princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. Daniel made it a point to go to God in prayer with fasting. He confessed not only his own sins, but he confessed the sins of the nation of Israel to a reverent God. That's what that word dreadful means there in verse number four, is a reverential fear of who God is. But as you look down at verse number 10 of that, it says, Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his ways, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. We have the laws of God right in front of us. We have the, the instruction manual, if you would, for life right here in our hands that God has given us the ability to look at, to read, and to study for ourselves. But yet, how often do we cast it aside? How often do we turn away from it and follow our own desire and our own wants instead of what God says? We've got to make sure that we're seeking the right kind of counsel, not worldly counsel, but wise counsel. And that's what we find in the Word of God is Again, perfect, wise counsel. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. I'm thankful for the counselors that have been placed in my life, the wise counselors that I can depend on, not just from the pages of the Word of God, but the people that God has given me to look to and to seek counsel from. They are there to help us make decisions again. I can trust them because I know uh, they have God's direction in mind. They have uh, God's want for my life and their life in mind as well. And we find this, uh, again, same idea reiterated in Psalms chapter number 1. Oftentimes we can go and we can probably quote this this morning. But turn over to Psalms chapter number 1 and let's just read this here. Uh, again, it's a very familiar passage to, to many people. But Psalms chapter 1 and verse number 1 begins, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Again, the right counsel found in uh, Psalms chapter 1 and verse number 1 brings the right company in Psalms chapter 1 and verse number 3. And that is our third step this morning, having the right company. As we look back at verse number 8 of our text again, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. We see here again that phrase, mayest observe. This brings the question about who are you watching and who are you keeping company with that demonstrates the right actions. You know, there are some people that have the idea, it doesn't matter because I'm in control of my actions and I'm in control of what I do. It doesn't matter who I'm around. Well, that's a, a good question because uh, that's not the case at all. You are right. Yes, you do have the right to control your actions. But oftentimes we follow those that we are around. 1 Corinthians 15, says, Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupt good manners. You're going to do those things just like those around you. So this is why it's important to have the right type of influences around you to help you as you go through life. If you want to succeed financially and choose 
the, the, the right way to go, I don't suggest you go down on the outside of town and hang out under the bridge. You won't get sound advice down there, I don't think. For those that want to have, uh, again, be a part of society that is a good and a good role model, I don't suggest you go hang out at the meth house down the street. You won't find good advice down there. You won't have that good company as you need to have in your life. As we read in Psalms chapter number one, verse number one, a happy man or a blessed man, as it says there, is not going to walk in the direction of the ungodly. He's not going to stand around those that are sinners. He's not going to be sitting next to the scornful. He's going to put the right people around him. He's going to make sure those influences in his life are right according to the word of God. The phrase that mayest observe is found in both of these verses, by the way, of our text. Verse 7 and verse number 8. So stop and think for a moment. Of all the great things that the Apostle Paul had done in his life. As you scroll through the pages of Scripture and you, you recall all the things that Paul had done, we think about maybe his missionary journeys and how he traveled uh, again around uh, proclaiming the gospel message, uh, starting some churches throughout Europe and Asia Minor, and again writing many of the books that we find in the New Testament. What a wonderful example we have as believers to follow him. But where would Paul be if it were not for those that stepped in to help him? Where would he be if a man by the name of Ananias did not listen and follow God. Again, as we understand, Paul had uh, his salvation experience on the road to Damascus. The Lord told Ananias to go to Paul. And he said, whoa, wait a minute, Lord. We know who this guy is. We know all the evil things that he has done. We know that he's had, uh, again, the privilege from the high priest, if you would, to Im imprison all the believers. You want me to go to him? What? I can't, no, I, I, I don't want to do it. But yet we find that Ananias was obedient and went to Paul and led him in the way, the Bible says. Where would he, we be, where would he be if it were not for Ananias? What about Barnabas, another unknown name that we don't look at very often or we don't study much about? Go back and look at Acts chapter number 9 where Barnabas was able to take Paul to the other disciples because Paul wanted to be a part. Paul wanted to go and listen to the other disciples to fellowship. And they were like, oh, no, we don't like him. We know what he's done. We don't want him around us. And Barnabas took him in and introduced him, led him to meet the other disciples and so on and so forth. From there, they continued on the first missionary journey that we find and recorded of Paul, Barnabas, and Paul. Barnabas was the leader. If you were to study the first part of that journey, it was Barnabas that was preaching. It was Barnabas that was leading. It was Barnabas that was doing all these things. Again, mentoring the apostle Paul. I say all that to say this. What would have Paul done or what would have happened to the apostle Paul if he would have gone back to the chief priest instead of going the other way? He would have been taken care of. Uh, if you understand who Paul was, all the knowledge he had is a very brilliant individual. He knew the law. He knew everything that the Jews knew. Uh, he was quickly climbing the ranks, if you would, within the, the, the Jewish church and all these different things. He would have been the, the chief priest very quickly. But Paul decided to, to, to get the right companions around him, have that right company of people to help him follow the right way. It's amazing what happens when you have the right influences in your life. I believe, according to what we find in the Apostle Paul, he lived a successful life. Success was something that was measured by God, and that's who he followed. That's what he wanted to do. 
And as you continue to read his life, he went on to mentor other people. We think of Timothy, Sylvanus, Titus, and many others that the Apostle Paul had influence and yet still influences today. It didn't just stop during his life. Again, think about all the things we read in the, the New Testament, all the different books that are there, all because of the Apostle Paul. But that would have never happened if it wasn't for somebody by the name of Ananias and Barnabas, having the right people around him and following that. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companions of fools shall be destroyed. Be careful of the company you keep to make sure you've got the right people around you that's influencing you and doing the right things. Be wise when choosing the right company. And this brings us to our conversation number four this morning. Very quickly, I'll give you these last two. But the conversation, as we find there in verse number eight, again, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to, what? To listen, to stop? No, it says to do. Our company will influence our conversation. And as we see there, that word do is an indicator of our lifestyle. The things we do or the things we don't do for that matter or what will allow us to have success. We can't become rich if we don't do something to make some money, right? Well, I'm just praying, Lord, bless me. Powerball. No, we don't do that. Uh, just sitting back waiting, expecting God to, to, to dump it over. Well, your word says the windows of heaven are open. Yes, but we've got to be doing what God wants us to do. We've got to be actively participating and doing what God wants. We can't have the idea of, of success and, and money and riches if we never make money. We can never have the, the idea of traveling the world if we're just sitting on our couch dreaming. We've got to do something about it. We've got to be actively participating in what God wants us to do. Success consists of being motivated and moving toward our goal. If you want to find success in what God has called us to do, then we must constantly be in his word, absorbing every truth that is mentioned. Not only do we need to study it, but we need to apply it. I think this is probably one of the most difficult things for most Christians to do, to apply the things that they hear. We read certain portions of scripture from the Bible. We never figure out what it means. And because of that, we get frustrated and we think, well, it's just some old antiquated book and we kind of toss it off to the side. Then we never apply those things because we don't understand them. This is why, again, the Bible tells us to study to show ourselves unapproved unto God. It doesn't say read your Bible. It says study your Bible. Study it. Understand the context. Understand the culture. Read who it's addressed to and what's going on. The author, all these things are comprised of what we need to study the Word of God. Paul told the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit and one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. No matter what we do or where we are, we should always show others Christ in everything we do. This should be our conversation, our lifestyle. That lifestyle, again, is the best form of communication that we have to show others. And that is our final step this morning. Number five is our communication. Again, verse number eight, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. 
We are to do what is written therein. We are to follow everything that this book teaches. Again, there's a lot of people who say, well, I only like this part, or I only like that book, and I only like that verse. The Bible is not a smorgasbord, okay? It's not golden corral. You don't get to take what you want and leave what you don't like. It's all there. Every jot, every tittle, the Bible says. Every verse is there for our edification, for our learning. So we've got to take all of it, the whole counsel of God, read it and apply it in our lives. This book is perfect. It's without error. It's God's word breathed to all of mankind. And yet there are times we treat it like some kind of plague. I don't want to do what it says. I don't like this and I don't like that. And then when we fail in life, we wonder what happened and what went wrong. We blame other people. Well, it had to be this and it had to be that. God says, I gave you my word. You didn't follow it. Whose fault is it? I've said before, I wish the Lord was, was still here to guide me in my life. You know, I've thought that for many years. And then I got to thinking, wait a minute. I've got something even greater than that. As a saved believer, I have the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. I've had his perfect word that I can go back and read again and again and again. Because my memory is not so great. I don't know about you. But I need to go back and read things over and over and over again. Maybe for some of it to even stick. But I'm thankful that the Lord has given me those tools. He's given me those things to help me through life as I'm trying to live a life pleasing to him. Because if the Lord was here right now, would I be even included in his circle of friends? Think about that for a moment. He had his 12. He had his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Which circle would you be a part of? Would you be part of maybe the 70 that's not even mentioned by name in Scripture, but were followers of the Lord? Or the hundreds that were there? Or would you be part of that 12? Or maybe even that inner circle? You know, you had to be close to him to listen to him, to the Lord while he was on this earth, to learn from him. But I'm thankful that now that he's gone to heaven, he's sent something in his place. He sent the comforter. But the comforter who I will send in my place shall be there to teach you all things whatsoever I've told you. So again, I'm thankful that I have the Holy Spirit to teach me those things. I have his word that I can go back and I can read and allow to guide and direct my steps of life. But I also can pray and talk to my Heavenly Father. You know, we've got so many different attributes that we can lean on and rely on in our life that we oftentimes neglect to take part of, to allow to change our life and to help us. But I'm so thankful for what the Lord has given me and allowed me to do. But this goes back to my initial question, to define success. Do we truly want success in the eyes of God? Do we want to be successful according to what He says? Or do we do just the things that we think are okay? We take these simple five steps, and I say simple. They sound simple, yes, but they're difficult to, to put into to place. But take these five things this morning and allow them to help change your outlook and focus on what God wants. Five steps to help us succeed if you would just simply follow through with them. I ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Again, as we have an invitation. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't feel successful 